listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Whatever end of that spectrum you find yourself on today, the truth is the way you answer that question, what child is this, matters more than anything. Well, here at Elam, we've been going through a series called The Story, and uh, it's been a, a wonderful opportunity to look through all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation to see that, that all of it tells one continuous narrative of God's great love for us, how far we as human beings have gone from that love, and then, of course, how far God was willing to go to get us back. And, and we've been in the middle of the story right now. Today, we're going to be in chapter 13, and uh, we've been talking about the kings of Israel, people like Saul and David. And today, I want to talk about another king, King Solomon. Now, if you know one thing about King Solomon, it would be that he is the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon was a really, really smart guy, okay? The Bible tells us this about King Solomon. Uh, it says that he had great breadth of understanding and insight, as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Nobody's ever said that about me as a pastor. It would be fun if I heard that once in a while. But, just saying, uh, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. And Solomon's knowledge, too, it was encyclopedic. It's interesting. He knows, like, everything about literally everything. So, you know that guy in your class who shows up late to the quiz like they slept in and they still show up? They didn't have time to study. You were up all night, of course. And this person just waltzes in halfway through the class and they end up acing it. You all know who I'm talking about, right? Maybe some of you are that person. This was King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote down his wisdom in a number of the books of the Bible, particularly the book of Proverbs. And I want to read a few of those Proverbs for you this morning. Proverbs 1 through 3, just a number of kind of selected readings. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Or if you have your copy of the story, this is going to be on page 179. And I'll ask you to rise this morning for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 1 through 3, just a number of selected passages. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for, for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and, for, and search for it and for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding." Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Would you pray with me? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, I ask that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're talking about wisdom, so I want to open up this morning by throwing down some life advice, all right? These are kind of common sayings. And I want to know whether you agree or disagree with these. Just give me like a thumbs up or thumbs down. There's no right, there's no wrong answers here. Your membership will not be affected either way, I promise. Just uh, what do you think of these? All right, here, here's the first one. If it frightens you, do it. Good life advice? No. I've seen a lot of no's, seen a little bit of mid. All right, lukewarm. Can't be lukewarm, Matt. You got to make a call. Number two. Don't worry what others think. Good advice or bad? All right. Let's see a lot of good. see a lot of good here. How about this one? Treat others the way you want to be treated. We're in church, so I better see. Okay, there we go. A lot of thumbs up on that one. How about this one? Trust your instincts. Good advice? Nah, not so much. We've got one that says yes, another one maybe. Okay. How about this? Believe in yourself. What do you think? Good advice? Good advice? Eh, not so much. Kind of all over the place on that one. All right. How about this next one? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> Down? Yep. Good. Eh, yes. All right. We're kind of all over the place. Can we all agree that good advice is hard to come by? Right? It's really hard to come by good advice. In our world, there is no shortage of sources we can turn to to find this good advice, no shortage of, of quote-unquote experts out there. Anybody with, with a microphone and an iPhone and a YouTube account can build a platform, right? So there are influencers. There are people on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. There are these wisdom gurus and experts everywhere, not just in person, but, but virtually. People like Jordan Peterson and Oprah Winfrey and uh, Tony Robbins, these people that amass these huge followings of, of people who, who, who will pay good money to come to their conferences and to buy their materials to get good advice to find out, what should I do? And it's understandable because life is hard. Anybody else can get an amen on that one? Life can be hard. Right. We want good advice. There are so many decisions to make, big and small, and we want the best advice from the smartest of people, and usually in our day and age, that, that's right at the, the tip of our fingers, just a, a Google away. Good advice equals a better life. That's kind of the, the maxim we live by. And the underlying assumption of this whole approach is that our fundamental problem as human beings is a lack of knowledge. The assumption is that, that if I have all the right information, I will do the right thing. 
right? Like if I'm at this fork in the road in life and I'm wondering, do I go right? Do I go left? And I can, if I can just think through it enough and I can get all of my data sorted out correctly and give the, the proper weight to each of the contributing factors, then I'll make a wise decision. So fundamentally, we're assuming that the problem here is a lack of knowledge. I don't know enough. And if I did, if I had all the info, if I had all the right answers, I would choose correctly and live better. More knowledge will fix the problem. That's the, the underlying assumption that we got going on here, right? But what if that whole assumption is just plain wrong? I'm not saying it is. I'm saying what if? What if our underlying problem isn't a lack of knowledge or a lack of information or a lack of good advice? What if the fundamental problem is not with our heads at all? What if I were to suggest to you that your life is driven not by what you know, but by what you love? Fundamentally, what if the engine that drives and steers your life is actually your heart? In his phenomenal book, You Are What You Love, James K.A. Smith, he says this. He says, you can't not love. It's why the heart is the seat and fulcrum of the human person, the engine that drives our existence. We are lovers first and foremost. Now, there's this, this phrase in the English language, and you can say what you want about Disney, okay? This is one thing that I'm pretty sure they got right. Have you heard this phrase, falling in love? Falling in love. Now, this is important. We don't, we don't call it deciding in love. We don't call it making a choice to love. We call it what? Falling in love. What does that imply? That implies that some element of it is outside of our control. I mean, let's think about it like this. If I were to ask you why you fell in love with your spouse, you're not going to, I hope you're not going to say, well, I created an Excel spreadsheet, Pastor, right? And I listed all the pros in this column, and I listed all the cons in this column, and I did the math, I crunched the numbers, and, and it just adds up. Happy anniversary, honey. Anybody finds a Hallmark card that says that, <clears throat> I'd like to see it. But that's not how it works, is it? Falling in love implies there's some aspect of this whole thing outside of our control. It's not just this, this cognitive endeavor. You were, you were drawn, you were pulled toward your beloved, more like tripping and, and falling than actually making a choice. You couldn't explain it or fully rationalize it. But it happened. Falling in love is a real thing, and it illustrates the power of the heart. It's interesting, as I was doing some research this week in preparation for today's message, also getting over a cold, if you can't tell by now. But as I was doing some research for this, it was interesting. I was looking at the Hebrew word for heart, and it's lave. And in this word for heart in Hebrew can also mean understanding. Understanding. 
And this is important because as modern day people, we make a distinction between the head and the heart. You know, we think the head is the seat of the understanding, and then the heart is just the, 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 the touchy-feely, let's talk about all our emotions kind of thing, right? Well, in Hebrew, in, the, in this time and place, in this culture, that distinction didn't actually exist. See, it was, it was all kind of tied together. It was all unified. So, the word heart, when you hear the word heart, what that means is the center of the human person, Okay? It means the seat of your will, intellect, and emotions. The biblical authors understood maybe much better than we do that human beings are driven by what we love. We're driven by our hearts. Our problem isn't that we lack good advice or we don't know the right thing to do. Our real problem is that we know the right thing to do, but we do the wrong thing anyway. It's not that I don't know I shouldn't eat that extra sleeve of double-stuffed Oreo cookies right before bedtime. Sorry, maybe that's just a Pastor Luke problem. We know that, but we do it anyway. The problem is not that I don't know I shouldn't use that kind of language. I know I shouldn't, and I do it anyway. It's not that I don't know I shouldn't yell at my kids. I know, but I I do it anyway. It's not that I don't know I shouldn't visit or return to that website. I know I shouldn't, but I do it anyway. It's not that I don't know I shouldn't have another drink. I know it, but I do it anyway. It's, It's not that I don't know I shouldn't go into credit card debt to purchase that snowmobile. I know, but I do it anyway. We know. But we do it anyway. It's a hard reality to face, isn't it? We don't just have a head problem. We have a heart problem. Now, the case in point for this is King Solomon, right? Wisest man who ever lived. When it came to to head knowledge, nobody could top him, right? This guy was top of the class, valedictorian, graduated with high honors. He knew what to do in each and every situation. He had no lack of knowledge, right? And yet, I want you to listen to what happened toward the end of his life. This is 1 Kings 11, verses 1 through 6. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. That was his first wife. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Solomon didn't lack brain power, did he? He knew the right thing to do, 
but he did the wrong thing anyway. What he lacked was a heart that was fully devoted to the Lord. And so do we. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Who does good? No one. Not even one. Who is righteous? Who understands? Who seeks God? No one. All are guilty. But it gets worse because not only do we not seek God, we actively try to eliminate Him, to purge Him from our lives. See, when He came to earth, we drove nails through His hands and His feet. We placed a crown of thorns on His head. We spat on Him and mocked Him. We screamed, crucify Him. You see, our lukewarm hearts slammed the door on His face that Christmas Eve so long ago in Bethlehem and said, there is no room for you here. We crucified the Son of God. And the wages of that sin is death, eternal separation from God, from the source of all love and goodness. And yet... And yet, somehow, miraculously, John's words are still true. This is John 1, verse 5. I invite you to, to say this with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's say it again. Say it like you mean it this time. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus shines His light into the darkness of the world, into the darkness of our own hearts, to love us, to forgive us, to declare us righteous and holy and free from all our sins, all received through faith alone, simply by what? By, by believing the good news. John 3.16, another one. You guys know this one. You can say it with me. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. See, love is the engine that, that drives and steers us, but the same is true for God. It's the engine that drives and steers Him as well. It was love that motivated him to send his son, Jesus, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. See, love was the engine that, that drove and that motivated God to act. And not just to love in, in some general kind of theoretical, ethereal sense, but, but love for you. Love for you and you. And you, you are the reason Jesus came. You are the reason there's a baby in that manger. Jesus left heaven behind to come to earth and to save you. Did you know that? Man, I hope you do. 
And if you don't, please come talk to me or one of the elders afterwards. We'd love to talk with you more about it and pray with you. So to kind of wrap all of this up, in, in the long run, then, good advice is, is good, but it's not the best. What matters most is not ultimately what we know, but who we know. 1 Corinthians 1.24 tells us this, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and what? The wisdom of God. See, ultimately, wisdom is not just a, a what, but a who. Christ is the fullness of God's wisdom. The answer to our deepest questions is Jesus. By the way, we were talking about a, a different king earlier today. Do you guys remember the name of the king? What was his name? Who were we talking about? Starts with an S. King Solomon, that's right. Do you know that the name Solomon, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, okay? Shalom means peace. But peace not just in the sense of, and I go home after church and, and take a nap and all the kids are quiet and, and kind of the absence of noise, but shalom in the sense of an actual positive presence of good where all things are as they are supposed to be. Nothing is, is out of, of, of place. It's not just a, a lack of fighting. It's, it's saying everything broken has been restored. And, and man, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of broken things in my life and the world around me that need to be restored. Well, here's the good news. Jesus is the new Solomon. Our prince of peace who succeeds where the old Solomon failed. He loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He faithfully and wholeheartedly pursued his bride, the church, from the manger to the cross to the empty tomb. He is the answer to all of our deepest longings. And in the end, you don't give your heart to him. He comes after it. He comes after you, and, and not just to, to kind of fix your heart or to give it a tune-up but to actually give you a new heart. As Bogert says in his wonderful book, The Hammer of God, the heart is a rusty old can on a junk heap, a fine birthday gift indeed. But a wonderful Lord passes by and, and has mercy on the wretched tin can, sticks his walking cane through it, and rescues it from the junk pile and takes it home with him. That is a picture of salvation. And God doesn't do this just once. He, he has to do it to you, dear Christian, and to me each and every day because our hearts are always drawn back toward those junk heaps, aren't they? And after a while, this funny thing starts to happen. When God does this enough times, something miraculous happens. You actually start to believe it and to live like it's true. You actually start to believe that you are God's beloved, that God actually loves you. Not, not the best version of you, not you on your good days. God loves you. 
and in his nail-scarred hands, your heart has found a resting place. That is the true message of Christmas. So what child is this? My hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you would find yourselves singing out with this song from the bottom of your hearts. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Let's pray. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K-J-O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.